I don't have massive goals. I have daily goals. That's the only goal that I have because then I can achieve that. And then if you do 365 of them, you're doing okay. And you increase them as you go, but then it becomes attainable. And then you can actually measure your success where most people, you think, <laughs> you know, what's your five-year plan? No freaking idea what I'm doing next week. So I don't know what I'm going to be doing in five years' time. Welcome to the Hustle Rebellion Show. We are on a mission to prove that being busy all the time does not always lead to success. We are business owners who are ready to stop wasting energy so we can be more productive. This podcast will give you the steps to stop hiding behind the hustle so you can start living the life you want. I'm your host, Heather Porter. Well, hello there and welcome back. I'm glad you guys are here because I have quite the guest for you. Justin Harold, and he's here to maybe ruffle a few feathers and just get you thinking a little differently about your business and perhaps what success actually means to you. Are you ready to know a little bit more about Justin? All right. So Justin, at the age of 25, with only $50, created Attitude Inc., a clothing brand that became an international licensing success that turned over in excess of $20 million per year. Crazy, right? So good. He was named International Entrepreneur of the Year for 2005 and recently awarded the Future Leaders Award, which recognizes him as being one of the 50 most influential leaders, influential leaders rather, of the next generation in Australia. So what's Justin up to these days? Well, he's the Managing Director of Customer Culture, which we will talk a little bit about coming up. It's one of Australia's leading customer service and customer engagement training companies. He's a speaker as well. He normally speaks on average around 100 times a year in excess of over 150,000 people per year. And he's the author of eight books and he's personally mentoring people. So he literally works with over about 100 businesses every single year. This guy knows his stuff and I'm so excited to introduce you to Justin. So let's get going. Hey, hey guys, I am so excited to have Justin here. I've known Justin for like quite a while and I've seen him at events. We've crossed paths at random speaking engagements. He's one of the coolest guys on the planet when it comes to customer service and just like all around a really easy to talk to bloke. So I'm really excited to have you here, Justin. Welcome to the show. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. All right. So we don't have time to muck around. We're just going to get straight into it. So I want to ask you the very first question, which is, what are your three tips for growing a business with less hustle, with less grind, with less like full-on overwhelm? So what are your three best tips for growing a business in that way? Probably the first one would be make sure that the business doesn't require hustle. A lot of people are now getting into a business and a lot that I deal with are coming from a corporate background. So they're applying it in a corporate way, but realizing that doesn't work because small business doesn't work that way. And then they're trying to hustle that whole thing and sort of basically force that square into the round hole. So make sure you've got the market. It's got to be one of those markets. For me, it's got to be an organic market that I do anything with, and it's got to make sense. Yeah. So I'm not going to get to the three because I've already probably given you three. (laughs) So the first one has got to make sense to the people you're trying to sell it to. Secondly, it's got to be one of those things that's a bit of a no-brainer when it comes to need versus want, and they all combine. You've got to see also, here's my number three, you've got to see also, does the market assist you in promoting that and on? So 30 years ago, 
when I started my first business because I had no money yep. starting my first business. And so I had no money to market. And this is the other problem. People are spending money on marketing and advertising, realizing it doesn't work. Hence, the hustle then begins. <laughs> so I had none of that. So I coined a phrase with my staff that was, we go after our customer's customer. And that was a twofold thing. So number one, we have to serve the customer so well that they have to go and tell someone else about it. Yeah. And secondly, we don't necessarily have to go after the person we're trying to sell it to. And I see this, and you probably see this too. It's brilliant. A lot when it comes to Facebook marketing, where people get really disappointed. I have, and probably had the whinge to you. <laughs> you get disappointed that people are not buying what you're selling, Yeah, but maybe they're not the market. So what we now do, and I do this from an organic perspective, I don't spend money on on Facebook marketing, sorry, Facebook, but what I do is I'll put a post up and it's aimed not at the person that's reading it. It's aimed at the person they know that needs it. So I'll do things like, and this is not hustle, this is just common sense. Do you know someone who owns a business that is having problems training their staff? So I'm not aiming at that person reading it. I want them to go to the next barbecue or whatever and someone's having a whinge about staff uh, training that they can then promote me. So everything for me is about trying to minimise the amount of effort that I have to do. <laughs> you do know this. <laughs> I do. I lo- This is what I love about you. <laughs> I don't like putting well unnecessary shit in my head, to be really honest. So yeah. I've got to keep that very, very spare. And so everything I do has to be very simple. And to make it even less hustle, just always do this. One plus one equals two. That's the way you need to run a business. And if what you're doing right now is not working for you, you're doing it the wrong way. And if it is working for you, you're doing it the right way. See, I freaking love how you just, you are common sense, but people need to almost, they need to hear that a lot because there's so much noise. There's so much shit out there that's like, do this, do this. Like you're talking about Facebook ads, right? It's like, go back to the common sense, go back to what feels right. Go back to less hustle. So brilliant. I love it. Well, you know what it is though? Like I'm really glad that I started and fortunate that I started my first business when the internet didn't exist. So there was not a great deal of white noise going on. We had to do, and this is where a lot of people go wrong in business, hence they need to hustle, is they don't realise the bare basics of what needs to be done in any type of business because they're trying to get the, I love this one, I want followers, I want all this sort of stuff. It's like you can have a million people following you, but if no one's buying from you, what's the point? So it's all about trying to go back to the basics in business and understanding that that connection with your customer. And, and if it's a good one and they like you as a person, then they will like your product. Whether your product's brilliant or not brilliant, they will support that to become brilliant if it's not because they like you as a person. So that stuff, you don't have to hustle. You just need to be a nice person And I just think the problem that's going on at the moment that I see a lot is people are getting themselves all disappointed with the lack of success online. And then so then what they do, this is the funny part for me, they then go online (laughs) to then find the answer from all these numbnut experts that have never done anything, but they've got a nice website. And then they get disappointed that that stuff doesn't work. It was never going to work in the first place. And so that's where people are sort of, I think, creating their own drama more than they need to. And it's just about sitting in that comfort of, I'm happy with the outcomes that I've got. And here goes against what everyone has been taught, minimizing what your outcomes are, your expectations are. Because people, I had a guy the other day, 
And I didn't go with him for a, as a mentoring client purely based upon the fact that I know he'll whinge at me and it won't be any of my fault. Yeah. And his goal, and good on him for having it, but his goal were two. Number one, have a Ferrari by the end of the first year. Number two, pay my house off by the end of the first year. Startup. Like, good luck if you can do it. But reality is you're probably not. So just expect that you're probably not. Then you're not going to get disappointed. I actually quite like how you said that because my background's in personal development. I used to work for Tony Robbins and some of the big names in personal development. And I always thought, I like the industry, but there's a bit of toxicity in it in the fact that it's like all about goal setting and reaching to the sky. And then people would get pretty depressed, to be honest. I've known people over the years who've quite literally left jobs and kind of wrecked their happiness as a result of that. I don't want to say aim too high, but it is kind of aiming too high. So quite interesting. I grew up in a very good household and my father and my mother both really supported anything that us kids wanted to do. Yeah. But my dad was one of those very annoying, motivational type people. So everything he said was motivational. <laughs> All right. But I, one of the things that he said to us kids, and I've never forgotten this, is aim for the stars. But if you hit a lamppost on the way up, at least you hit something. And so that's where people need to understand that, you know, whilst – so that's why I've never had – I still don't. I don't have massive goals. I have daily goals. That's the only goal that I have because then I can achieve that. And then if you do 365 of them, you're doing okay. And you increase them as you go. But then it becomes attainable, and then you can actually measure your success, where most people, you think, you know, what's your five-year plan? No freaking idea what I'm doing next week. So I don't know what I'm going to be doing in five years' time. So for me to measure against that, it's sort of going to potentially set myself up for, once again, disappointment. Justin, that is pure gold. Thank you. You guys heard it here, the new way of setting goals. <laughs> I want to transition now and I want you to think of all the customers you've had. I mean, I know that's going to be tricky because you've been in business for such a long time and done different things. But think about a, a customer or client that you've helped a great deal. And I want you to talk us through what you did for them. Think of it like a little case study. So who were they? What was their issue? And how did you help them? Ooh, I had a lot. And success is different. People measure success differently. People seem to measure success on money these days. Now, I've met a lot of rich dickheads, so I don't think that that's successful. So measuring money as a success, you know, money comes, money goes. So I'm not into that. But I reckon Joe would probably be one of my favorite success stories. Joe, female Joe, she came to me. I was speaking at an event and she came to me after that and said, can I mentor her? And she signed up on my mentoring thing. I said, no drama. She said, I'm, I'm a bit wary. And I said, oh, <laughs> Okay, this is before she even signed up. She said, well, how do I know you can do what you said you can do? I said, well, pretty simple. Don't have to prove it. It's already been proven. So there's that. So we started and she came to me. She was a weird life coach. She doesn't mind me saying this, but she was a weird life <laughs> coach that I had sort of, I understood what she was doing, but the market was like this big. And I got to know, and like for me, I'm not a cookie cutter mentor. I'm not a coach. I'm not a cookie cutter mentor. And I have my structure is no structure. So that's why a lot of people like dealing with me because whatever we're going to talk about, we'll figure that out on the day. Yeah. And over getting to know Joe and helping her with that business, and it started to grow because she was doing everything in, in a very same as she worked with her clients in a very clinical way on trying to grow her business. And as most people who own a business, you can't, you know, the guarantees, there are no guarantees. So you can't really have everything sort of set up. And so I got to know her and then we started talking, which I like getting into how people operate from a personal perspective and what I like doing. 
And she said, oh, look, I used to paint a lot and I, I wouldn't mind doing that on the side or on weekends just to clear my head. Yeah. I said, oh, okay, no drama. She said, well, why don't you paint something and send it to me? Oh, my God. She was bloody amazing. Joe S. Stacy is, if you can find her, or oh, I came up with a business name. It's called Paint and Pony. Find that. I get nothing from it, but have a look on Facebook. She does horses. She does cows. She does that. It is unbelievable. Mm. Now, she then said, started selling, I think she sold the first one for 150 bucks. And I said, Joe, what are you doing? And she said, what do you mean? I said, that's not worth 150 bucks. It's worth heaps more. Now, she had a self-belief and limiting issue that she wasn't worth it because, and this is where a lot of people are like this in any type of business, they believe because they haven't had a lot of runs on the board, that means they have to minimise the income or reduce what people would then pay or whatever. And they said, well, that's irrelevant because how long someone knows that you've been in business, they'll only know that if you tell them. So don't tell them. <laughs> so anyway, she just sold her latest painting, I think it was four and a half or five and a half thousand dollars. <gasps> For the same size, the same thing, because she, look, I'm not into paintings, not into cows, I've got to tell you that for nothing, but her stuff is just unbelievable. It's because she then followed her passion, and that's where I'm probably not more lucky than most, but I'm lucky, where the only thing, and you actually have seen this, the only thing that I'll do is stuff that I want to do. That's true. And it's stuff that floats my boat. I don't do stuff just because I can make money from it. I turn jobs down if I don't think I'm going to enjoy it. And so if you can create it, well, if you create a business from a passion point, you actually won't go wrong and you will make good money out of it because you're so passionate about it and that passion will then show. But she's probably one of my favorite and I like my clients because I can just be me with them. And I think that's why most people come on board with me anyway, because I'm not the typical business mentor or coach, I hate that word, but I'm not the typical one. And I will call a spade a bloody shovel so it's just the way that i go about doing things but most of my clients have had a great deal of success and it's not really because of everything that i do it's just me sort of unlocking what they've already got inside them because i just see myself as a silent partner that doesn't get any of the uh, profit yeah and it seems to work and i can just tell them exactly well i say to my female clients if they're in trouble i'm going to kick them up the bum with a fluffy slipper (laughs) so i Give them uh, time sometimes, but that's what the most people do need. They need someone to say, no, that's wrong. Here's the right way to do it. And I've spoken to your clients as well because I've worked on some of their projects. And they all say the same thing about you, the fact that you are who you are. You tell it as it is. You simplify things, which is great about you. And you have this tremendous, huge background in history and business. And instead of like kind of floating your own boat or going, oh, yeah, me, 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 you're just really like, dude, stop it. You just get to the point and you just get them through the issue that they're in. and. You know, I've heard good things about you in that way. Well, look, for success for me is my own personal success is no one else's business. Yeah. Even though media and all that sort of stuff do stuff on it. Like I don't rant and rave about all the stuff that we have, but and I'll say this the nice way, but we all shower the same way. So <laughs> regardless of how much money's in your bank, regardless of how many businesses you started or own, or regardless of where you work, there is nothing different about anyone. I was very blessed to have a very good mentor early on in my my business life who the one thing that he told me never to do 
was changed because attitude become or started to do a lot of stuff in the corporate world with large companies around the world. Yeah. And he just told me, never change who you are because corporate will eat that up. But if you're not corporate, you'll be fine. So every meeting, and still to this day, every meeting I go in is with my Converse, my jeans and a T-shirt. And some of them go, well, I thought you were going to get dressed up. And I keep on saying to them, you're not buying my outfit, you're buying what I'm selling. So let's just move on, shall we? But just remain who you are. I love that. Do you know, when I was growing up, there was like always a thing in the States called wise man say. Have you ever heard of that? It's like wise man say, and then it's like a little one-liner. You'd have to Google it, look it up. But hearing you, you just coming up with one after another, I think you should have a book that says Justin Says, and it's literally just (laughs) one-liners. Well, I actually did do a book. I did do a book, and it's called It's All a Matter of Attitude, which was all my slogans that I had on the back of the T-shirts. And I like my isms. And I think for me, a lot of that's got to do with, because I've had a lot of TV exposure, and you get used to how they work, because they just want grabs, one-line grabs. So, And also, I just don't like talking shit, to be really honest. So if I can get it across really quickly, that's the problem I had with my second book. Because it was called, I wanted to call it Get Off Your Ass, but they wouldn't let me. Oh. So it's called What Are You Waiting For? Yeah. And the whole premise of the book is have a crack. But I had to come up with another 53,000 words after that. So I said it in one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that so the point, though? People just love the sound of their own voice these days. And I'm a big believer in simplifying everything. So yeah. <laughs> I freaking love it. Okay, I want to talk about overwhelm because the world is littered with it right now. People are freaking out, anxieties at an all-time high. Talk to me about overwhelm. Do you have any sort of mindset hacks or ideas to get through moments of overwhelm? Yeah, well, I've never experienced that because I guess for me, I thoroughly enjoy drama. Some people around me reckon I created COVID just so I had something to fix. <laughs> I operate better under pressure. And I think some people who are naturally gifted that way, because I think it is a gift, need to start to embrace the outer control. Because the reality, especially if you're in business, right, the reality is you can't grow your comfort zone while you're sitting in it. So there's a level of being outside of that comfort zone that you need to embrace. Now, I'm very comfortable being uncomfortable. Renee, my wife, hates going away on holidays with me, sitting beside a pool. Yeah. I'd rather poke a fork in my eye, to be honest. Right. So I don't like any of that sort of stuff. But I think for the people who do struggle with overwhelm, there's probably some practical things that you could do. And one thing, and I've got a few clients like this, one thing would be, and it might sound dumb, is mastering the art of time management. Because most of the time our overwhelm is purely based upon the fact that the crap that we've actually now put in front of us and given a level of importance to, is where the issue is. So I don't have a problem with time management whatsoever. Harry, who is my mentor, probably about six months into starting with him, talking with him, I rang him and said one day, and he was the CEO of Philips, and I rang him one day and I said, Harry, I'm doing something wrong. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, well, I get to 11 o'clock and I've got nothing to do. And he said, Justin, the one thing I've noticed with you, you're fantastic at time management because I actually don't put anything in my day that is not going to affect anything else in my day. While back, this is a funny conversation. It didn't go well and it wasn't a fluffy slipper, this one. I had one of my clients, a lady, say, I'm just – she didn't use the overwhelmed, but she was overwhelmed. I'm out of control. And I said, okay, let's break it down. What did you do yesterday? She said, I cleaned my office. Oh. I went, you what? It cleans your office. 
well, what's that going to produce? He goes, I've got a better space now. Yeah, but you're a day behind everywhere you you are on your way. So there's a lot of stuff that I don't like doing. Anything, like, once again, I'm bringing you up. I would say this to anyone else about you. <laughs> when I've got a drama, I don't go and try and fix it myself, especially with, you know, I ring you straight away because <laughs> you should know more than I should know. So there's that sort of stuff that I don't go and waste my time. So the best way to master time management, if you suck at it, it's pretty simple. I've got so many funny stories. I had another client was having a time management problem. I said to her, well, when you do your to-do list, she said, what's a to-do list? I said, you write down stuff to do? Really? She goes, that's brilliant. And that was the end of the session. I went, wow, I'd love to do these ones all day. (laughs) Anyway, so everyone needs to do a to-do list on a Monday on what you want to get done. And this is where people fall into the problem. They they do their to-do list right through to the end of the week. Forget that, right? If you suffer with time management or you're overrun, do a day-to-day one. So what do you need to get done today? Hmm. And then whatever you don't finish on the Monday, you put on the list of Tuesday, but then you have to add what you need to get done on the Tuesday. I will guarantee by the time you get to Friday, some of the stuff you put on the Monday, the Tuesday, and the Wednesday are still sitting on that list. So that then shows you and proves to you that you put a level of importance on something that wasn't important. Right. The other thing that a lot of people don't do, so if I do my to-do list, I'll then look at what can link with the other thing. So if I do this, how will it affect this other thing? Because most people put them all as individual things, but they actually might be connected. So why don't we do two things at the one time? I mean, it's not rocket science, this one. (laughs) So for us, we've just moved up here to the Gold Coast purely for quality of life. My wife owns a day spa, a medispa in Sydney. She still goes down there once every three weeks. I own all the businesses that I own. But we moved up here because we want the business to fit around what we want to do instead of us working for the business. Hallelujah. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) Well, I think COVID has proven that to a lot of people, but hopefully none of the staff see this. The thing that also we saw is the staff were very well looked after by everyone else, like the government, during COVID. The business owner wasn't. I know. And that's where we sat there and went, we'll still look after you. We kept in business to keep the staff a job to come back to. So why don't we now look, enjoy what, and let's make it and fit it around that whole process. My uh, favourite saying that I've ever had is uh, you can't fit a square pig in a round hole, but you can if you force it. So <laughs> if you're in startup listening to this, not everything that you perceive should be happening and it's going to be the outcome is going to be the outcome. I can guarantee you, money back guarantee, and if you don't like it, write letters to the management. So that's exactly what's going to happen is nothing you planned is going to happen. Get used to it. So when things aren't going the way that it's working, you're going to have to change and manipulate and do whatever. And then what you will find that sometimes you're going to be forced or confronted with something that's going to put you out your comfort zone. And then in six months' time, you look back and you go, actually, that wasn't too bad. And so for us to move up, using that as an analogy now, or this analogy, for us to move up here to the Gold Coast, we had to make it work for our businesses. Mm. Well, that took a week. So it wasn't as hard as our heads thought it was going to be. Yeah. And it just works. Now, you know, sometimes Renee's got to spend a couple of more days in Sydney than she had to before, or sometimes I'm away and she's away and how do we get the kids to school, all that sort of stuff. It's, it is what it is. You just force that square into that round hole. Mm. And if people started to embrace that way of operating a business, operating your life, you'll then be able to cope with overwhelm pretty easily because you're expecting things to go ass up at some point in time and oh now's the time 
as opposed to, oh, no, what I must be doing something wrong because it's not working. It wasn't going to work that way in the first place, maybe. So not that hard to re- sort of work that out and stop putting pressure on yourself as to trying to be, number one, perfect, never perfect anything. It's about progressing along the way that you want to go. I used to teach my staff, once again, it's going to go against everything everyone has been taught, but um, don't aim for excellence at all. Let's not aim for excellence. Yeah. And I used to have some people who are rah-rah, and they used to challenge that. And I go, well, I'm going to change my mind by the end of the day anyway with what we're doing. If you're going down a certain path to excel at one way of doing what I've asked you to do this morning, I'm going to go and change that this afternoon. So anything as an outcome will be good right now, and we can build from that. But there's a lot of people spending a lot of wasted time on trying to perfect something that's a moving monster especially business. And so sometimes, and sorry if people don't agree with this, but sometimes good enough is good enough. And then you not wasted time and you can spend some time recuperating or spend some time having quality of life. You can spend some time having reaping the rewards of your effort. And that's where, for me, I think people need to really readjust their perception of what success is to them and what their goals are. Your goals should never be I want to be successful because what is that? Yeah. Like the most success I've ever felt was not when I sold my business to a major company. It was selling my first T-shirt. That's the most success I've ever felt. And second came in when someone said, I read your first book. So, well, there's two things done straight away. So if I was going for success, I've done that. And I believe success goals should be tangible ones. I want to go out once a month with my wife for dinner. I want to take the kids away on a holiday. I want to finish work on a Friday at three o'clock and everything's done so I don't have to carry it over to the weekend. You know, all that sort of, yes, you want to pay your house off and all that sort of stuff. But once again, things are out of your control. So no one knew that last 10 months were going to get 10 months worth of interest rates. So paying your house off has gone out the window. Now, if you planned it on a year ago. So if it's out of your control, you can't change it at this point in time. So just go with the stuff you can control. And that will make a massive difference to how you feel. Yeah, I love that. And I like how you said good enough is good enough. Because that's, for me, like any other business owner listening to this, there are really shit days and times Hmm. in life and business. Well, for any human being on the planet, it's like a 50-50 split of good and bad. So I think that if you set these big, hairy, enormous goals, that actually creates overwhelm for yourself. You beat yourself up and sometimes you just stop and you won't keep going. So I love that you have talked us through that. And so now I'm going to ask you one last question and I don't dare call you a coach because I know that's, <laughs> that's not the right yeah. word. What do I call you? Are you a mentor? Is that what you'd say? Well, everyone calls me a mentor. So I've just gone with that. Gone with that? Yeah. Okay. So what makes you an extraordinary mentor, Justin, or what makes you different from other people that are out there doing similar things? Here we go. I'm going to upset all the coaches out there now. Go for it. (laughs) There's a lot of people telling a lot of people on how to run a business that have never run a business. Yes. So the thing that separates me straight away is I have, and not just one, I've done a fair few. What probably sets me apart the most, which I get feedback as why people come to me in the first place is how I did my business with not having any money, with not having any idea, with not having marketing, with not having advertising, with not having all of the stuff that most people now don't have either. And the other thing is I don't have a a 12-month, here's how we're going to do it. The reason being, 
and that's why I'm the unstructured style, because there are companies out there, not going to mention them, that, you know, this month we're going to discuss branding. Mm. Well, if you've got a bloody cash flow problem, there's no point going on branding yeah. because that's going to be an irrelevant and a waste of time. So I think my style is what sets me apart. I think the type of clients that I will take on, so they've got to make their decision whether I fit with them. I'm the same. So I have one rule, and I've done this a couple of times, where if you say one phrase in when we're talking at the start, I will not take you on. <gasps> and I've done it to two people so far. And that is when people say, what's my guarantee? Oh, yeah. Well, my guarantee is I won't be working with you. And I'll <laughs> say that to them. And I'll go, why is that? And I go, because you're already looking for a way out before we've already started. So your head is about what's in it for me and how do I make whatever he says work for me. That's not my fault and my concern. My concern is I'm going to give you what you need to have. If you don't apply that, then that's your fault, not my fault. So there's certain things that, and I want to get along with someone, and I have great chats with my clients, and it's fantastic. I think the other thing, and it's not a sales bill, my price has set me apart from most of the other companies because they charge a lot of money. Yeah. And some people may think that my fee is a high fee, but for my yearly one, which it's not, but my yearly fees set deliberately, it's the same amount of money I get paid for one hour to speak at a conference. So I do 100 speaking jobs a year plus. Yep. So they are the ones that fund me to be able to offer it to someone else. I also had the odd numbnut. You remember those two Muppets on the Muppet show, the two old guys that <laughs> oh, set up yeah, the top? Yeah, yeah, loved them. Oh, every now and again, a couple of them having a go at me going, well, you should do it for free. Problem with that. Free. If I do it for free, there's no cost to that information. So there's no pain for the other person exactly. if they don't apply that. It's not going to then have any effect on them at all. So there is a cost because, you know, I can't really feed my family with love or kindness. There's money that needs to be made. and But I've tried to keep it, well, it is a business plan of mine to piss off the other coaching companies. So that seems to be working quite well for me. And I don't take on a million people. There's only so much I can do. Yeah. And I want to be able to be on call for these people as well and not just have it only in our sessions. Freaking love it. So I already know there's going to be a queue of people waiting to knock on your door. Where do people go and learn more about Justin Harold? Yeah, well, probably the best one is justinherald.com. It's probably the easiest one. And just a shameless plug, if you do want your staff trained, that's customer culture is my massive passion at this point in time. So that's customerculture.com. But the reason I'm going to plug that is because if you've got goals, dreams, and aspirations for your business to get to the next level, your staff are the ones that will assist in that. If they're not on the same page with how you want your business to go, you're never going to get there and you're going to be carrying a lot of the weight. So we've got to get our staff to work for our goals and aspirations and dreams. Sorry if anyone's a staff member and gets offended by that, but the reality is as business owners, we are providing the same back to our staff by paying them a wage and giving them a job. So it's a win-win and we've got to get our staff to go to that next level. And that's why customer culture exists. And I can absolutely vouch for that too, because I helped build at least the part of it, the online training program and the stuff that Justin teaches is just like you've heard him today, right? So you can imagine him consolidating all this information for your team. It's gold. So Justin, any last thoughts, any last little one-liner Justinisms that you want to share with everybody before we go? Look, I just think you just got to simplify everything. Simplify it and magnify it, I guess, is probably the way that you need to go about it. But just like it, it is my mantra in life. And it is, I'll say this when anyone asks me the same question, what people need to do now, have a crack. Just have a go. With that, 
don't go and spend a crap load of money before you know it's going to work. So for me, I don't. So if it doesn't work, I haven't spent a great deal of money. If it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. The question I've always asked you, Heather, is how much is this going to cost me? That's the first question I ask because then I go, I'll get back off the phone and go, hmm, okay, based on that, I need to sell X amount of these to make that back. I need to do that in this period of time, blah, 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 blah. Yep, that's doable. Or if I spend $100,000 on setup or startup or expanding my business, that's a lot. So if it doesn't work, it massively matters. So just try and keep it as simple as you possibly can. Yes, it may take you longer, but you've got more longevity in that as well. Well said. Well said. Thank you so much for your time in our beautiful conversation. Just gold, just good common sense, just good reminders for people to just take it day by day, simplify what you're doing. And that I love the goal, just one goal at a time every single day. That's it. I <laughs> love it. Thanks, Justin, so much. Thank you. Hey, Hustle Rebels. If you enjoyed tuning in, you have to check out hustlerebellion.com. It's where you get access to the special resources mentioned in these episodes and can watch the video versions. If this episode gave you a few tips to help you run your business better so you can live a more joyful life, please rate and review it and pass it along to a fellow business owner. As always, thank you for your support.